A lesson for our time. The experience of Enoch and of John the Baptist represents what ours should be. Far more than we do, we need to study the lives of these men. He who was translated to heaven without seeing death, and he who, before Christ's first advent, was called to prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. Subheading: The experience of Enoch. Of Enoch. It is written that he lived sixty-five years and begat a son. After that, he walked with God three hundred years. During those earlier years, Enoch had loved and feared God and had kept His commandments. After the birth of his first son, he reached a higher experience. He was drawn into closer relationship with God. As he saw the child's love for its father, its simple trust in its protection. As he felt the deep yearning tenderness of his own heart for that firstborn son, he learned a precious lesson of the wonderful love of God to man and the gift of his son, and the confidence which the children of God may repose in their heavenly Father. The infinite, unfathomable love of God through Christ became the subject of his meditations day and night. With all the fervor of his soul, he sought to reveal that love to the people among whom he dwelt. Enoch's walk with God was not in a trance or a vision, but in all the duties of his daily life. He did not become a hermit, shutting himself entirely from the world, for he had in the world a work to do for God. In the family and in his intercourse with men, as a husband and father and friend, a citizen, he was a, the steadfast, unwavering servant of God. In the midst of a life of active labor. Enoch steadfastly maintained his communion with God. The greater and more pressing his labors, the more constant and earnest were his prayers. He continued to exclude himself at certain periods from all society. After remaining for a time among the people, laboring to benefit them by instruction and example, he would withdraw to spend a season in solitude, hungering and thirsting for that divine knowledge which God alone can impart. Communing thus with God. Enoch came more and more to reflect the divine image. His face was radiant with a holy light, even the light that shineth in the face of Jesus. As he came forth from these divine communings, even the ungodly beheld with awe the impress of heaven upon his countenance. His faith waxed stronger; his love became more ardent with the lapse of centuries. To him, prayer was as the breath of the soul. He lived in the atmosphere of heaven. As the scenes of the future were open to his view, Enoch became a preacher of righteousness, bearing God's message to all who would hear the words of warning. In the land where Cain had sought to flee from the divine presence, the prophet of God made known the wonderful scenes that had passed before his vision. Behold, he declared, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, Jude fourteen fifteen. The power of God that wrought with the servant was felt by those who heard. Some gave heed to the warning and renounced their sins, but the multitudes mocked at the solemn message. The servants of God are to bear a similar message to the world in the last days, and it also will be received by the majority with unbelief and mockery. As year after year passed, deeper and deeper grew the tide of human guilt; darker and darker gathered the clouds of divine judgment. Yet Enoch, the witness of faith, 
held on his way, warning, pleading, and teaching, striving to turn back the tide of guilt and to stay the bolts of vengeance. The men of that generation mocked the folly of him who sought not to gather gold or silver or to build up possessions here. But Enoch's heart was upon eternal treasures. He had looked upon the celestial city. He had seen the king in his glory in the midst of Zion. The greater the existing iniquity, the more earnest was his longing for the home of God. While still on earth, he dwelt by faith in the realms of light. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. For 300 years, Enoch had been seeking purity of heart, that he might be in harmony with heaven. For three centuries, he had walked with God. Day by day, he had longed for a closer union. Nearer and nearer had grown the communion until God took him to himself. He had stood at the threshold of the eternal world, only a step between him and the land of the blessed, now the portals opened. The walk with God, so long pursued on earth, continued, and he passed through the gates of the holy city, the first from among men to enter there. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hebrews 11:5. To such communion God is calling us, as was Enoch's, so must be the holiness of character who shall be redeemed from among men at the Lord's second coming. Subheading, The Experience of John the Baptist John the Baptist in his desert life was taught of God. He studied the revelations of God in nature. Under the guiding of the divine spirit, he studied the scrolls of the prophets. By day and by night, Christ was a study, his meditation, until mind and heart and soul were filled with the glorious vision. He looked upon the king in his beauty, and self was lost sight of. He beheld the majesty of holiness, and knew himself to be inefficient and unworthy. It was God's message that he was to declare. It was in God's power and his righteousness that he was to stand. He was ready to go forth as heaven's messenger, unawed by the human, because he had looked upon the divine. He could stand fearless in the presence of earthly monarchs because with trembling he had bowed before the kings of kings. With no elaborate arguments or fine-spun theories did John declare his message. Startling and stern, yet full of hope, his voice was heard from the wilderness, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 3, 2. With a new, strange power, it moved the people. The whole nation was stirred. Multitudes flocked to the wilderness. Unlearned peasants and fishermen from the surrounding country, the Roman soldiers from the barracks of Herod, chieftains with their swords at their sides ready to put down anything that might savor of rebellion, the avaricious tax gatherers from their toll booths, and from the Sanhedrin the phylactered priests all listened as if spellbound. And all, even the Pharisee and Sadducee, the cold, unimpressible scoffer went away with the sneer silenced and cut to the heart with a sense of their sins. Herod, in his palace, heard the message, and the proud, sin-hardened ruler trembled at the call to repentance. In this age, just prior to the second coming of Christ and the clouds of heaven, such a work as that of John is to be done. 
God calls for men who will prepare a people to stand in the great day of the Lord. The message preceding the public ministry of Christ was, Repent, publicans and sinners, repent, Pharisees and Sadducees, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As a people who believed in Christ's soon coming, we have a message to bear, prepare to meet thy God. Amos 4.12 Our message must be as direct as was the message of John. He rebuked kings for their iniquity. Notwithstanding that his life was imperiled, he did not hesitate to declare God's word. And our work in this age must be done as faithfully. In order to give such a message as John gave, we must have a spiritual experience like his. The same work must be wrought in us. We must behold God, and in beholding him, lose sight of self. John had by nature the faults and weaknesses common to humanity, but the touch of divine love had transformed him. When, after Christ's ministry began, the disciples of John came to him with the complaint that all men were following the new teacher, John showed how clearly he understood his relation to the Messiah and how gladly he welcomed the one for whom he had prepared the way. A man can receive nothing, he said, except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3, verses 27 to 30. Looking in faith to the Redeemer, John had risen to the height of self-abnegation. He sought not to attract men to himself, but to lift their thoughts higher and still higher until they should rest upon the Lamb of God. He himself had been only a voice, a cry in the wilderness. Now with joy he accepted silence and obscurity, that the eyes of all might be turned to the light of life. Those who are true to their calling as messengers of God will not seek honor for themselves. Love for self will be swallowed up in love for Christ. They will recognize that it is their work to proclaim, as did John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29 The soul of the prophet, emptied of self, was filled with the light of the divine. In words that were almost a counterpart of the words of Christ himself, he bore witness to the Savior's glory. He that cometh from above, he said, is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. John 3, verses 31 and 34. In this glory of Christ all his followers are to share. The Savior could say, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 5, 30. And John declared, God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. So are the followers of Christ. We can receive of heaven's light only as we're willing to be emptied of self. We can discern the character of God and accept Christ by faith only as we consent to the bringing into captivity of every thought to the obedience of Christ. And to all who do this, the Holy Spirit is given without measure. In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. 
The life of John was not spent in idleness, in ascetic gloom, or in selfish isolation. From time to time he went forth to mingle with men, and he was ever an interesting observer of what was passing in the world. From his quiet retreat he watched the unfolding of events. With vision illuminated by the divine spirit, he studied the character of men, that he might understand how to reach their hearts with the message of heaven. The burden of his mission was upon him. In solitude, by meditation and prayer, he sought to gird up his soul for the life work before him.